0: I just want to read you just um, just this passage real quickly, just to connect. You know, you are worthy of it all, isn't he? So what I'm going to read now connects to this morning. Um, and just let these words just wash over you, while at the same time bring a conviction. It says this in Matthew 10, 34. Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. You are worthy of it all. The one who's worthy of it all tells us, if we love a father, a mother, a daughter, a son, then you're not worthy of the one who's worthy of it all. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. It can't get any clearer Than that. He is making it so clear through language to describe to us what he's looking for. And I hope, I really hope that we heard this morning, like at a frequency that was so alarming that it would shock you out of you, um, because he's coming. And we're in a time where he is desperately bringing to light the eternal purpose. He always has been, but he's doing it again. And those words, they grip me. These were some of the words he used to start to show me the bride. Because I said, what am I not worthy of? Because he's telling me I'm not worthy if I love anyone else more than him. So then I have to ask a question, don't I? What am I not worthy of? He says, me. See, he's worthy, and he's looking for a people that love him back the way he loves his people. It's always been a two-way relationship, but we've made it a one-way, but it's two-way. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. What that means is you're not worthy of something that I'm bringing because you haven't lived the way I wanted you to live. And that's why when we look at tonight, it's so important that the truth Is being declared for what it is, not my version of it, not your version of it, his version of his truth, because his version of his truth becomes self evident in your life. So if we receive the truth, then the Bible says, and we continue it, the truth will make us free. It makes us free. Means building, making. Can you hear all the same words that he's coming out with? There's a process. Here's the outcome, now jump into my process, and one of those ways is that the truth for what it is, is declared. Sam and I are going to tag team tonight, and I'm starting now, and I've got 20 minutes. And what I'm going to talk about is the false way. The false way, Sam's going to come and talk about the right way. And there are two versions of the false way. There is intentionally leading people astray, and then there is unintentionally leading people astray. And I'm so thankful that your and my Father sees our heart, and He sees the intent of our heart, and He judges in accordance to the intent of the heart not necessarily what's being said, because you can find forgiveness when your heart's soft, when you think you're doing the right thing. But then he comes to align you to say, hey, Greg, come away with me, son, because I want to show you some things about how I build my church that you've got wrong. But I know your heart. I know your heart loves me. I know the intent of your heart. You thought you were doing the right thing. But I want to show you that you haven't been in this area of your life. And I want to show you my macro plan. I want to show you things that you think are of me, but actually you've, in your own concept and what you've been taught, but also in your own mindset, have got confused. And so actually, son, you've actually been a little bit of a false teacher because you've been teaching stuff in my name that's not fully is of me, but not fully my way around or my primary objective. And you and I can be these people without ever knowing it. But if our heart is right and our heart is soft, God can align us. That's why we have to step out in faith because messages like this can propel you back into fear. So you never move forward, but you've got to trust in the Father because he's our Father. And you've got to trust the Father will align you. That's why you walk with others who then can align you. So you have to be teachable. So if your heart is teachable, guess what? You can come into the fullness of life. But if you become arrogant and think you've got it all down and you can walk out on your own, you will be led astray. You will lead yourself astray. So I want to talk about the false way. So we're going to look at John 10, and we're going to look at some things that we've got so far wrong it's not funny, which doesn't realize he's talking possibly to us, and we think he's talking to Satan. Okay, John 10, verse 1. Can I have some more light? Over here guys, if I can please, I am just struggling to see a bit. Just that light there would be good if that was uh, available be cool. Okay, here we go. John ten, verse one. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter thank you, by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. So if there's a person who tries to climb up some other way, an other way, instead of entering by the door, you are a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Joseph, Jesus spoke to them, but did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So then he changes it up, and he puts himself in the phrase. Okay? So he's talking in a very practical manner here, in a physical manner. Then he says this. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am. The door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. In your notes, First line, the thief, the thief is not Satan, but a false teacher. How many times have you heard that Satan is the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Now, he the Bible says is like a like a lion, who's roaring? This is how fake he is, okay? When a lion creeps up on its prey, does it roar? So he's like a lion. he's a counterfeit. Yes, he wants to get in and meddle with us, doesn't he? He wants to mess us up, okay? Yes, but that's not talking about him here not talking about satan at all it's talking about a false teacher someone who does a false way this is how you enter into life you go around the door jesus saying i am the door there is only one way to life it's in christ christ alone for i am the way the truth and the life there is no way through christ christ crucified so he says guess what you're going to have gethsemane moments You're going to have moments in your life, like I have, when you are in the Garden of Gethsemane and there is no other way. Father, is there any other way we can get around this? No. Then I've got to walk through the way. And what do we do? No, 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 no. You don't have to go that way. You can go around the way and into the pen another way, but you never get the life. Why? Because it's a false reality that's being declared. So the false one, the one who comes, and this is what I mean, you can speak this and not know you're doing it. Only upon the revelation of Jesus is the church built, correct? So any other way is false. You cannot fundamentally be built, understand God without God. It's false. If anyone tells you you can, it's false. If anyone tries to tell you you can understand God in your mind, it's false. It's false, it's false, it's false, it's false. It's a false way. The mind is an impenetrable barrier to the things of the spirit before it is renewed by the spirit. Jesus said understanding starts in the spirit, not in the intellect. This is what separates God from man. Man's wisdom is of the mind. God's wisdom is of the spirit. So anything that, from the spirit is False. And a preacher who gets up who hasn't preaching from revelation is preaching falsely. They're preaching from the mind. If you have the mind of Christ, it's fine. If you don't have the mind of Christ, be quiet. Otherwise, it's false. You don't know. How do you know it's true or not if it's not been revealed by the Spirit? Because it's the only way. We track it? So, this is the false way. It doesn't build anything, it builds in vain. You run around exerting all this energy, all this life, doing all this thing, ticking all these boxes, and you're left with nothing. Can anyone relate? Nothing. But see, truth is self-evident. The one who is in the way gets built, and the truth becomes self-evident in their life. You see it in the demonstration of their life. This is what we have to grapple with because we... When I say we haven't, I mean not we. The church hasn't grappled with this stuff. We've come up with a counterfeit. And yet, where's the real? I want to see the real. I want to be part of the real church. I want to be real. I want you to be real. I don't want to be hypocritical. I don't want to say one thing and do another. I don't want to say, I love you with all my heart, then not live for you, Lord. That's what he's saying, isn't it? You false people, you hypocrites, you say one thing. Why? Because you actually don't want to enter into the way. So actually, the thief is not Satan. Now, the demonic activity, the wisdom of God that's operating here is is from the kingdom of darkness. Okay, But it's not him. How easy is it to blame him for that? It's good, eh? Oh, the enemy made me do it. Rubbish. It was you. It was your unrenewed thinking, your unrenewed will. Your emotions dictated everything. It's a false way. So this is the challenge because we can be this. You and I can be a Pharisee. Because a Pharisee is not a person who lived 2,000 years ago. He dressed in funny clothes. It's a spirit. It's a blind spirit that thinks it sees, thinks it hears, prophesies, proclaims. I'm just reading Jeremiah at the moment. The false prophets that prophesied the things of the Lord that were not of the Lord. It was false. The truth produces the right life. The false doesn't. Just because you can attract the crowd means nothing. We can attract crowds. We can raise funds. We can beat buildings. We can reach out to lost people. We can feed poor, and it can all be a waste of energy, time, and resource that could have been spent on the real we know how to do the false really well. Really well. Why? Because that's, the, way, that's the, the place we're from. We relate to it. Flesh relates to flesh. We want to be on the winning team, eh? You want to be the A team, the all black team? Yeah, man. Champion that. Okay, you're going to have to die. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. What are we talking about? No, 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 no. Nothing about. No, no, no. No, whoa, oh, ho. Hold on a minute. Now, yeah. You'll know them by the way they what? Lay their lives down for one another. You'll know them by the love because they're in the right way, not the false way. So listen to this. The thief, this is what it means. An embezzler, a pilferer. The name is transferred to a false teacher who do not care to instruct men but abuse their confidence for their own gain. So you have confidence in me and I take that And I abuse it for my own gain. That's called lust, not love. How do I manipulate these people for my gain? That's what it's saying. There are two postures in your notes. There are two postures that the thief or the false teacher tend to operate by generally. There are two postures that the thief or the false teacher tend to operate by generally. Here's the thing to note. We can all be a thief or a false teacher. And there is the possibility that we may may in fact be operating from one or both of these postures. We all, we can all be a thief or a false teacher, and there is the possibility that we may in fact be operating from one or both of these postures. Are you open enough to say yes to that? (laughs) Now the first one, once again, is God sees the intent of the heart. So he aligns because of the heart. When the heart is moldable, when it's humble, and God will show you if you're going off track. He'll show you if you're seeking Him, hungry for Him. But as soon as pride enters in, or now what do you do? I know all things. That's when you start getting in trouble, because this is a reality that's in us. Because our minds are not fully yet renewed. Are they? We have the potential to have the fullness of the mind of Christ, but the evidence in our lives tells us we don't have that yet. Would you agree with that? So, the possibility is we could. And we need to be humble to even be able to say that. Okay? So, it says here in John 10, uh, sorry, the first posture. The first posture, the thief does not enter by the door, Christ, into the pen, but climbs up some other way. The thief does not enter by the door, which is Christ, into the pen, but climbs up some other way. One of the reasons why is because we want things tomorrow. We want things tomorrow. When am I going to get this? Oh, I don't know. You might have to wait 25 years for like that. There must be another way. When it all gets too hard, let's run. No, no. We've got to go through the process. Here's your outcome. If you want the outcome, you've got to go through the single process. There's only one way. It's a narrow gate. The Bible says many find the road to destruction. Only few find the life through the narrow gate. But how many people know when you find the narrow gate and you enter the narrow gate, all of a sudden it becomes real wide? Like it's really wide. Like the freedom is massive. It's humongous. It's cool. He says, you're free, but you've got to find the narrow gate, the narrow way first. So he says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do A, B, C, and D? He will say, yes, you did, but you did it the wrong way. You of lawlessness, which means sin, you didn't do it by faith. You did it out of sin, which can be forgiven because sin is lawlessness, lawlessness. Did you break the law coming here tonight? speeding maybe don't know you broke the law lawlessness it's a sin anything that's not of faith the bible says is a sin you hear what i'm saying so you we need to do it his way otherwise we're breaking his law and it's a sin sin can be forgiven disobedience doesn't get rewarded sin can be forgiven but disobedience doesn't get reward. If you reward your children for disobedience, you are a poor adult parent. Can I say that? You are rewarding. You are teaching. Little Johnny, that behavior is fine, and I'm rewarding you for your behavior. That's not fine. You are teaching the child how to live through the reward. Yes? It's silly. It's silly. So God can't reward for behavior that doesn't align to the way. It's a false way. He cannot fundamentally give you a freebie at the judgment seat. He has. You know what he said to me recently? He said, tell my people and yourself, Greg, that I don't want to have to be me at the judgment seat. I can't change me. I can't throw you a freebie. I have to be right. I have to be true. So if what comes before my judgment seat doesn't measure up to my way, because I'm right and I'm just, I have to administer the appropriate reward or lack to the behavior. I can't change it because then I'm not God and you can't trust in me. It's full on. Truly, truly, I say to you, this in your notes, know, John 10.1, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. John 10.9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Truth statement. Truth is self-evident. It's amazing where truth comes from. That statement came from my osteopath as I was lying on his bed, getting absolutely nailed in my back on Thursday, and we're having this incredible discussion about stuff. And he comes out with this. He says, truth is self-evident. And I got lights. I'm going, man, I've been trying to find that language to put that into forever. I use words like actualization, reality, realization, experience, literal. Truth is self-evident. You don't have to whip it up. You don't have to coerce anybody. It does what it says it does. It's just whether we are in it and receiving it the way he intends. Because the truth will set you free if you received it the right way. The truth will change you if you're receiving it the right way. The truth won't if you're actually receiving it a false way. It won't do anything. You'll be puffed up, but you'll have no power. You'll have a form of godliness, but no power. So we have to wrestle because the truth is self-evident, and it speaks for itself. 1 Corinthians 1, 21, 24. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ, Christ crucified, to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Gentiles foolishness, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. That's interesting. We're all from the world. If we try and live as we did when we are in the world, you won't know God. If you have the wisdom of God, come to know God, you're being prepared for the eternal purpose. You'll have the life that he promises because you're in the right way, not in the false way. But the false way will never come into the knowledge of God. Hence, it's a stumbling block and it's foolishness. And that can be you and I. Because he says, here's the way in. You go, no, that's not the way in. No, it is my way. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Let go and let me show you what's right and what's not. So we are all reflective of our way of truth. Galatians one six to ten. I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God, or am I striving to please men? If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by grace for a different gospel, which is really not another one. See, it's Galatians. They were going back under the law. It's not a different one. It's not as obvious as another religion. It's slightly tweaked. But the slight tweaking, which is only minor, creates massive difference. It's like God's sequencing operation. Commandment, commission. If you miss one, it's so close, but it's miles apart. The commandment is what birth eternal life, the Bible says, not commission. You miss that and although they're both there, it's like you may as well miss the Grand Canyon's massive. Same here. It's not completely Buddha Allah Islam. It still has Christ wrapped down to it. It's called Judaism, and you're going back under the law that he rescued you from. You foolish Galatians, what are you doing? You've left the way you came in, which was what? Through the power of the gospel. The Holy Spirit. Power, the word, brought conviction, brought change. You dropped your idols. You started serving the living God. Why are you going back? Because you've come under a false way. That's how you know. If you're not growing, you may have actually come under you trying to enter in again. Because we're to be growing, aren't we? Maturing. So God gives us the way, not the false way. The false way will stunt your growth. Sam's going to come and talk about the real way. You'll grow. Everything in God grows if it's aligned to the way, not the false way. I'm going to fly two minutes over, Sam. (laughs) Here we go. Okay, here we go, and I'm going to preach. The different gospel or distorted false gospel, the different gospel or distorted false gospel is not necessarily what is being taught it can be, but not necessarily, but more often than not, it's the way we are trying to enter into Christ, which is false. The false teacher is more concerned with intellectually understanding the Scriptures than coming to know intimately the one that the scriptures are written about. The false teacher is more concerned with intellectually understanding the scriptures than coming to know intimately the one, Jesus, that the scriptures are written about. Paul or Saul had a knowledge, an intellectual knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures, didn't he? Okay? He just didn't know God. So you can have an intellectual understanding of words, scriptures, which are supposed to lead you to Christ, but puff you up. And that's what he's saying in John 5:39:40 to the Pharisees, "You search the scriptures because you think that in the scriptures you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, and you're unwilling to come to me so you may have life. How do you have the scriptures and not have life? Because you've missed the one of the scriptures. You're in a false way. You're trying through the wisdom of the world, which is your mind, to understand the person. And it never works. Hence, you never have life. So you must find the person If I told you to close your Bible and throw them away and never pick it up again, find the person, how would you get on? I'm going to take your reference point off you for finding the person. Sorry, no longer. I'm the government, Winston Peters. No more of these. Burn them. Now go find Jesus. That's what we need to be able to do. You know that? That's how Abraham lived. That's how they all lived because they never had this thing. This thing is fantastic. This is not the problem. It's me. Sorry. That might lead you highlight the person. (laughs) Hear the point, though? The problem is my heart, my mind. And the problem with the church is that become a reference, and it's supposed to lead us to the person but it actually leads us away from the person into more of us. So then we never find the life because we're in the false way. History shows it and continues to. Cool? The false teacher, in your notes, tries to bring life, sorry, tries, the false teacher tries to bring to life the words without the intimate knowing of the word. The false teacher tries to bring life tries to tries to bring to life the words without the intimate knowing of the word Jesus. In other words, they try to find life in the words without the word. Paul called it this is a false knowledge. Then the scripture there to back that. Second posture the thief or false teacher comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So this is where the person is intent on. But woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow others who are entering to go in. Mark 7 talks about how you're more concerned with teaching the traditions of your elders. It says you take uh, the doctrines of God. Sorry, are you teaching? Uh, so let's come in here. He said to them, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine doctrines the precepts of men. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. That's powerful. You take a tradition and you preach it as doctrine. You take what you think and you make it doctrine. You turn it into the word of the Lord. That's what they did. They had a thing called the Talmud, which was their version of the Scriptures. And they made it. It was the precepts of man. And they said, this is the truth. And they led people astray. Don't be that person. Have an open heart. So hopefully none of us fit into the second category where you're intentionally doing it because you're leading people to yourself, not to Christ. Art Cat said this, and I finished in his Apostolic Foundations book, the issue of the resurrection is going to be one of the fiercest end-time issues for the people of God. It is going to be the plumb line of God that separates the false church from the true remnant. The false church will applaud the doctrine of the resurrection, but they will refuse to live in it and buy it. There has always been a great divide between those who have mere verbal profession and those who are in that life. The false or the real Sam come and talk to us about the real. 28 minutes is good for me, even though I didn't get 20. (laughs) That's justification right
1: there. Sandra's just just considering how she'll bring out some appropriate discipline. No notes for this one. Cool. Powerful word, eh? And I think it's been a powerful series as a whole. You know, I think um, this whole probably last, you know, three or four months looking at the fivefold ministry, I think has been groundbreaking to our community, and I I feel like it's significant not just for us, but actually for our city and our nation as well. Um, And I think what we've just heard tonight about the false teacher and the false way um, can so easily be said about um, the true as well, in that the difference between... Oh, I should just get this because I wrote it down. (laughs) Um, Between true and false is not this big battle between good and evil, what 's false is not according to god 's primary intention, and what is true is according to god 's intention. so when we look at the false teacher we 're looking to we 're looking at a teacher who is whose posture whose thinking, and whose attitude is not aligned to god 's primary ultimate, and eternal intention so what we 're looking at tonight in terms of what the true teacher is is we 're looking at What is God's primary, divine, and ultimate intention in terms of the posture that he wants those people who are communicating his word, his gospel, not just from a pulpit, but in their lives? Fathers are teachers. Mothers are teachers. Teachers are, we we should all be teachers. I said, you know what Paul read out last week, uh, I thought was, was awesome, you know, it says, you should all be teachers by now, but yet you need someone to teach you again the elementary (laughs) principles of things like the resurrection and eternal judgment. Saying those should be the basics. We should have moved on from there to being actively involved and invested in each other's lives, bringing and discipling one another into God's ultimate and eternal intention for us as his people. It's massive, eh? Cool. So tonight, like I said, when we look at what the role of the true teacher is, we're looking at God's divine intention for the teacher. So the mission that I've been given is this. That, so this is the statement. The teacher brings to light the words of God through the word. So because you don't have notes, can you please all write this down at the top of your page? The teacher brings to light the words of God through the Word. One more time. The teacher brings to light the words of God through the Word. So what are the words? What are the words of God? It's not a rhetorical question. What, what are the words of God? What was that? The Bible? Yep. The Bible, the scriptures, this book, the prophecies in here, the history, the stories. And what's the word? The person, Christ himself. So the role of the teacher is to bring to light the words of God, the scriptures, through a living relationship and knowledge of the person of Christ. Teachers have a divine grace to take the things that are heavenly, And eternal, and bring them to light with clarity and sharpness. So, the role of the teacher is similar to that of an apostle and a a prophet, except that with, with teachers, there's a special grace to bring clarity to those things that are heavenly, eternal, unseen, the mysteries of God which are hidden, and yet teach His have a divine grace to bring to light what was hidden, but now they've just proclaimed it and it's no longer hidden. You know, one of the greatest misconceptions I think there is about the teacher, and I've heard this preached quite a number of times from the pulpit, is that apostles and prophets are heavenly-minded, whereas teachers, pastors, and evangelists are earthly-minded. I have to say that is probably the biggest load of nonsense I've ever heard About a teacher In fact all five of those gifts In fact every single Christian Is to be Heavenly minded A teacher that isn't Heavenly minded is a false Teacher Because they're not teaching To God's ultimate divine And eternal purpose And that in essence makes them Absolutely and totally false So point number one, true teachers know the word. Is that a bit simple? True teachers know the word. Now, I'm just going to start by using a very simple example. So I had two teachers at high school. I was an economics student, it's probably one of my favourite subjects. I had two economics teachers. We were just a small school. And so we would alternate between these two teachers um, year about. The first, the name of the first teacher was Miss Crampton, or Mrs. Crampton, and the second was Mr. Sparks.
2: <laughs>
1: two very different people, Miss Crampton, or Mrs. Crampton, and Mr. Sparks. And so Mrs. Crampton, she was a, t- she was a teacher. She had been to teachers' college. She had learnt about economics um, and accounting, through the books um, And she was a really lovely lady A nice, very nice person We actually got on really well Had great conversations But yet all of her knowledge was through study Through research, through learning And it was fine, you know um, I, I learned a few things from her Did okay in my, you know, in my tests and my exams And yet I was never really moved or stimulated Through her, through her lessons and what she had to share Whereas Mr Sparks, on the other hand, man, he was, like his name suggested, a bit of a spark plug. This was a man, an older guy. His aim in life was never to be an, econ- uh, in, an economics teacher. He was an economist through and through. He had been there and done that. He had been out in the real world. He was a businessman. He had made big money. He, we'd catch him in the middle of our class like doing shares <laughs> on, his, on his laptop, like checking the stock market. And yet, Mr Sparks, there was something about him. He captivated his classroom. His lessons started in one direction and ended up somewhere completely different. I got an insight into the stock market. He had us like buying stocks and tracking our progress, we were inspired to become entrepreneurs. It was almost like we almost stepped into his life through his lessons. So Mrs. Crampton and Mr. Sparks, one was a true teacher and another false. Now, not Not false in the sense that the information was incorrect. Not false in the sense of the second person that Greg was talking about who had an intention to deceive. No, false in the sense that the posture that she taught from was not according to the ultimate intention of a teacher, someone who was in the word, someone who knew the word. Whereas Mr. Sparks... He had lived the life, he had been there, he had gone through it, and so he taught from that posture. He inspired, he inspired me I went on to, to study economics at university, he, and he inspired um, our class. And so even though our lessons weren't according to what is it, that NZQA curriculum, we had a taste of something that fueled our passion for economics. And I did far better in those classes because I went beyond the curriculum. And so that's what the true teacher does. He whets your appetite for what's true. Point number two. True teachers bring the word to light. So like I was saying, we almost it was almost like we tasted part of his life. You know, I was... I was apprehended by the scripture a number of months back. It's Jeremiah thirty one twenty nine. Says this. It's a bizarre little scripture. The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and children and the children's teeth are set on edge. Interesting. And now the context of the scripture in the Old Testament is actually one of judgment it talks about the fathers and the sins of the fathers and almost like the sons could taste of the fathers disobedience i don't know if you've ever eaten a sour lolly before it's like when you get one of those bad boys and it's like you ha- you don't even have to place it on your tongue and you can feel the saliva just like w- welling up i can almost feel it as i'm talking to you you know you know what i'm talking about you know you haven't actually put it in your mouth but but you know what's coming and it wells up and you're, you're impacted even though you haven't eaten yourself. And so that's what he's saying. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. A true teacher who has eaten, who has tasted, and then speaks and proclaims that living word captivates the audience and it's almost as if while you haven't personally eaten yourself when you hear that word the the it's almost like it wells up in your mouth you enter in you experience from the life of that teacher the living word of God you get a glimpse a taste that then you are responsible for going away and eating yourself but that's what the teacher does that when they speak from that living posture, they open up a reality for you to enter into. Massive, eh? Massive. Now the world I think is longing to enter into this ultimate spiritual reality, this heavenly calling that God has for the church. And we try and find it in so many other ways. So, I see this, this playing out in everything else pretty much except the place that it should play out, which is in the church. So, we have movies, video games. You know, when you go into the movie theatres and it's all dark, it's, it's almost like you are in the movie. Greg shared this morning about, was it Lion that you watched? A powerful movie. And it was almost like the emotion of what you just entered into. You're not there. Why is it emotional? You're not actually in the movie, but by by being in there, it's almost like you are. You experience the reality of the place. It's almost like you smell the food, you hear the sounds, you experience the emotion of it, but yet you're not actually there. And that's what a teacher does. When they speak the living word of God, you you enter into something, and you're not there yourself, but you know, you've, you've had a glimpse of the way into it, and you're ruined for anything else. And so, ultimately, movies and video games, especially children and young people, but adults as well, when you... We have a whole generation who are addicted and hooked to the emotion, the, the drive, the feeling, the exhilaration that comes through entering into something that's ultimately false. It's fantasy. It promises life, and it gives you life for all of about half an hour or two hours in a movie theatre, and then you're left with nothing. But the world is crying out for the true reality of God. And where are the teachers who can stand there and proclaim the living word in such a way that's to whet the appetite, to tear back the veil, to to show clearly the way in for the people of God to step into the true reality of God? The, we have a world that is desperately crying out for that. And I think the reason why our world, our nation, our especially our young people, are entering into the false is because they've never had the opportunity to hear that which is really true. And they've never had the opportunity to hear from a true teacher who can stand and proclaim Words that have power that bring them into the life of God.
0: So Kirk's got a mic. He's going to run around with the mic. Um, so we we'll are speaking to the mic so it can get recorded. Okay? Um, so don't be embarrassed about the mic. Speak to the mic nice and clear so we can all hear. Who would like to kick us off?
3: Um, so I feel like recently I'm starting to share more and more with people that come into my life, um, non-Christians and things like that. And I've had experiences of when there's been a real clarity in terms of articulating well certain things. But then there's been some times where I'm like fumbling my way through. Um, But So I, I don't really know what my question is, but I'm just kind of wondering, is it something that someone who is a, has the, the gracing of a teacher will be able to speak with clarity to people that are non-believers or is it something that I will grow in? I, I don't really know what my question is. I hope you can kind of understand what my, yep. Yep. where I'm going with that.
0: <laughs> one is you're trying, and on one occasion, when you, when, sometimes when you stumble, you're trying to talk from your mind. Okay? So it's like a technical aspect. It's like you see when people preach. So they've got to stay really close to their notes because they've written from the mind an answer. And if they stray from their notes, they actually don't know what they've written. So they've got sort of memory of it, but I can't just speak it because actually it's not here. It's not coming from here. It's coming from here. So no, the, 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 we're all in this together. Okay. So all, the difference is once it's revealed in you, that's where the clarity comes. Because you actually don't need notes, you're speaking from a work that's done. A little bit like this, tell me your phone number. Yeah, well, just make, make, yeah, you could, eh? You could tell me your mobile number, okay? Did you think about that? No, it's innate. That's the posture that we all want to get to. And that's the posture that we're growing into more and more and more. So it doesn't mean what you're trying to say is wrong when you're trying to articulate but it's not clear because actually it hasn't yet been revealed in you. Okay. So you can even someone can even talk from a, a mental clarity. Paul did this. But it lacks life, it lacks power to transform. Okay. So ultimately we want to get to this place and doesn't matter who it is apostle, person with the gift of hospitality, we're all to speak from this living, revealed place. That's what has power. That's what had life, because it's not so much about an intellectual conversation; it's about an impartation, and the person that you're sharing with will feel that and receive that. And that's what Sam was trying to say. It's like, what, non-Christian or Christian? What was that? So the classic is in the form of testimony. When you testify from the work he's done, as opposed to a work that's not done. But let me tell you about this guy Jesus. They they can sense the difference. Between, let's say, the real and the counterfeit. Did Jesus come down and die? Yes. Did he die? Yes. But it lacks something. When you share from that place where you understand it and that power, it's like a different message, word is being proclaimed. That's the word that set creation in order. Active living, judges the heart, power to change a person. Um
1: yeah, I think to me it's like the, even if you can't quite make out the words in a way that you know someone else will be able to comprehend it, you're clear in and of yourself of of Christ. And so you're confident in what you know that you can try then and explain it in a you know, in a number of different ways so that someone hopefully, like Greg was saying, there will be an, an impartation of, you know, of life, and it becomes um, something that they can grasp. Because
0: this is what it can be. Okay, so if you'd asked me back when in 2008, when he started taking me through to 2009 or 2010, the revelation, I could have told you something was good and I'm being changed, but I couldn't have told you what it was. So I couldn't have given words because my mind wasn't renewed yet, but my spirit was receiving food. So I was changing, but I would have, I would have said I don't know. Outside of I'm eating him. And 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 that's where it can become confusing when you're trying to speak of something that's still a work in process, because the person's like, was it the red car or the blue car? Yeah. As opposed to knowing it and then speaking it in a variety of different ways to reach your audience. They're two different things. Yep.
3: Um, in, in the case of um, when you're out and talking about God, like if, if you're an evangelist or evangelizing or whatever, um, and people ask you about God, if you can't answer from, this is my experience, if I can't answer from a lived experience in me, I could actually you know say to the person, can we explore that together and bring someone else in who might be able to respond to those questions for me uh, every moment is a teachable moment and so um if we if we don't have the answer there's some there is someone else who will have it you know it, it it's either a word of knowledge or revelation from god or there's someone who has the answer Answers.
0: And just be honest with people. You don't have to prove. The truth will be self-evident. So they'll appreciate you just being honest. Say, oh, look, I don't know. Then try to fumble through it. And they'll go, that was weird. Just say to people, I don't know. But I can talk to this person to that person. You know.
4: i got a question. What do you think the role of uh, f- formal... Teacher training, like a Bible college, what what role do you see that as?
1: Um, I say it can play a role. Um, I think ultimately, it's Christ has to reveal Himself to a person, and so to me, I've I've never been to Bible college, haven't had any kind of. Like biblical education, and yet I've grown in God through seeking Him in prayer, in the Word, and in discipleship. So I think like those places can play a, a role in terms of they are a, um, a, um, an environment for for discipleship, but so is what we're doing here tonight. You know, so I don't think to, from my perspective, those educational institutions don't qualify you. To be a true teacher it's that's that's man 's qualification you can go through one of them and um, and submit to god 's true process and and that's great you know or you can go through one of them get the piece of paper and the world says you 're qualified but ultimately you actually haven't entered into his process um, th- does that make sense that's
0: was that the fullness of what you were asking? Because I heard something slightly different. Well, I just well ultimately the function is to build. So the the, the the role of the teacher is to build the church, like the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the pastor, the evangelist. So by being in the posture that Sam's describing, doesn't matter where you are externally, the purpose is a building work. So the teacher, like the apostle, like the prophet, like the person with hospitality gift like the person with the gift of faith, everybody is to speak a word that builds. doesn't pull down, it builds. That's why we're all to be speaking from that place that Sam is describing. So you can be in one of those institutions but not come from heaven. So we are to come from the throne room of heaven with the substance of heaven and declare it into the earth. Whether you're in a Bible college, a small group, a discipleship group, one-on-one, conversation at work, that's the role of the church. You're looking at me a bit horrified. (laughs) It's big, eh? It's big.
2: Um, I was just going to add on to what um, Jesse was saying about when you're having a conversation with someone. Um, you know, I have grown up in um, in the Word, I guess, and in, in in His ways. Um, but I've always thought it was for the evangelist to actually speak to. You know, this whole thing of and and I think you can almost um, well. This is just speaking from me personally. A default setting of Um, well, I don't need to use words, I'm just going to use my actions and just let people know, you know, yeah, I love Jesus and I, you know, do um, it in ways of acts of service or I care for them or I give them a gift. But actually, just recently, he's been just um, actually confronting me with different people that they're right in front of my face and they're asking specific questions And I actually can't get away from it because there's no one else in the room. They're actually asking me. And the reality is, is that he's building in me. No, speak. Speak from what you know. Speak from what you're going through. Speak from what you've just read this morning. Speak from what I've been talking to you about. And I had this conversation with this chap during the week. And honestly, it was like, I didn't even really need to say anything. At the start of the conversation, he was like, yeah, I don't really know if there's a God that is real the end of the conversation is like yeah I know God's real because you know we know that the devil is real because he's kind of you know there's darkness so much in the world isn't there so God has to be real eh? and I'm like you kind of answered the question yourself so what I'm my, my what I'm trying to say is just go with it and be yourself you don't have to be anybody else and have this articulated little formulated thing in your mind with your five point thing because I really would like to have that I'd like to go ba-bing and there it is but it doesn't work like that. God doesn't he, – he wants you to be getting out of your comfort zone to actually speak the truth in the moment because it's within you. So, yeah, that's my little encouragement to everyone.
5: Um, sorry, just back to what Paul said. Do you think that um, – like I agree with what you said about Bible college, but do you think that um, by being intentional about putting months or years aside to – Place yourself in those environments could speed up the process or help you, not, you know what I mean, like actually place yourself in the environment to do it. Whereas maybe through discipleship we have once a week or something like that. I just.
0: All depends on your operating system. Yeah. So it's got nothing to do with where you place yourself as a first place priority, it's your heart. So you can go on the beach. You can go into a biblical college. You can come here. You can come here and get nothing or get everything because it's all reflective of you. So that's the posture which you live from. So, yeah, but see, everyone there needs to be in that posture too. And that's where you get the clashes because someone that's coming that's coming from a kingdom of heaven posture and someone that's in the kingdom of the world posture, flesh and spirit clash. So it's it's never based on anything external firstly now come with the posture enter into the environment and the environment has the posture receive words spoken in the right environment so you don't say don't place yourself in those environments but know by placing them in an environment that's not the thing that does the work it's the heart that turns
1: up that's the goal want to add yeah i think it could sometimes be a real trap you know thinking that if i go here and do this then i'm all, all of a sudden like more of a christian or more qualified to, to teach but ultimately the only way into it is through humility and surrender to god and, and what he's doing you know and so i think someone who's you know like a solo mum who really doesn't have the capacity to go and spend two years at Bible college could receive the gospel in a moment, where someone who is inter- intellectually struggling and striving and trying for years doesn't, because they haven't come to that place of brokenness. You know, it's the it's the poor in spirit that God is looking for, and so He can absolutely use Bible college or an environment like that, um, and He does. You know to bring about that posture where you can actually receive from him. Um, but remember, it's never the environment in and of itself. It's the power of God um, and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, the hope is that when we're creating environments, we, we, we do it so that God will turn up and, and, and work within us, You know, not because the environment does it itself. Mm-hmm.
0: And just for the recording, we're not anti- um,
4: Bible schools. Not at all.
6: Okay, I've just I've just got a couple of questions. Um, the first one is just to clarify with the first posture. Um, the question is: Is it something we can put ourselves under? And I'm asking it as um, I'd always thought that the false teacher was like a cult leader or, you know, something like that. I'd never thought that that could be me. And this is showing me that, as a leader particularly, I'm pretty sure I misrepresent him, but when you're in a leadership position, there's a lot of power in that, and what you communicate with people, even if they're not Christians. And it really makes me wonder how much I've led other people astray in terms of his ways, because I'm not walking in his ways. So is it is that what um, the false teacher can be? Not necessarily a teacher who stands up front and preaches or whatever, but yeah, just somebody who's leading other people and leading them in the wrong direction.
0: Yes, is the simple answer. But like I said before, and I want to stress that God sees the heart. Okay, so everyone that's going slightly off stray, if they're open. And humble can be led back on straight. That was me. Okay, So you look at someone that's in a senior role, and that's why I repented when I went through all that, because I thought I knew what he meant when he said, I build my church. I realized I didn't. Okay, So the, the key is to stay humble, because we need to step out of the boat and walk. You can't go, I'm going to stay here till I get it all. <laughs> You'll never get it all. And he's saying, step out. He came to the disciples, and they... <laughs> they were messed up. you know. So until you're actually trying to kill some people, and until you're trying to deny him, you're probably doing okay, okay. But stay true to the course, and you can see why relationship is essential. This is why the commandment brings eternal life. You leave your first love, you enter into a false way. Stay close. Seek me with all your heart. Don't get distracted. We have an enemy who's waiting to lead you astray, okay? But it's cool, but he's a loving father who forgives, turns, aligns, just like I do with my children, is the same father he does with us. But the answer is yes. The blind can lead the blind down holes, okay? And that's, that fear of the Lord is to align you in relationship. So that aspect, that's why he gives it. Whoa, man, that's responsibility. That's why it says on teachers. Yeah. Don't just jump in, yeah, hey, yeah, I'll be this, I'll be that, yeah. It's all, no. Make sure you know what you're doing because the responsibility that comes with it. Great question.
6: Um, just one more question. Um, with the process, um, uh, entering into the narrow gate um, and entering in through the door, is that process the same for everyone? I mean, it might not, Look the same as in Someone might be doing this job and someone might be doing That job different but is the Actual process of what we have to go through In terms of the trials The things Jesus went through Ultimately do we all have to go through those same things
1: Yep I I think absolutely Not necessarily the same trials But the same process Internally So the way and it's the way in is humility and surrender to God, um, to to let go of our way of thinking, our thoughts, and to take hold of his. And that's what repentance is. It literally means to change the way you think. So we all have to go through the process of allowing God to change our thinking, renew our minds to the way that he thinks, he sees, because none of us start in that place knowing exactly what God thinks, the way he sees, his intentions for us as his people you know um and so we all have to go through that process of allowing him to redefine our our hearts our minds our thinking and so yeah it, um is that is that what you're asking or or you, or are you saying do you like is it is there something on the outside that we have to go through um
6: yeah not not on the outside but Internal
1: yeah internal, absolutely,
0: I'd say yeah. I think yeah we we we're all we've all grown up in different environments, and there's things that might affect us that don't affect other people, so there are things on the inside, hurt, bitterness, unforgiveness, um, rejection, all those things, and so you know it's it's irrelevant what those things are, God wants to come through his power and heal, and deal, and bring us into this fuller life. And so, um, we're yeah, we're all going to go through the same gate. There's only one way, and it promises life. His name is Christ, Christ crucified. And um, what that looks like is different, you know, but like Sam says, we're all going to have to surrender and let go of us and let him do the work. And Jesus is the example,
1: but what God might use to le- to take us through that process might be different f- for different people you know um, so I know for for Tess and I in our marriage, one of the things that he used to you know um, to to bring about real change within us was like uh, we um, you know had to come to this point where we realized actually. Like We thought we were loving one another, but really it was more about our own desires, our own lusts. And so he used that, re- that relationship to work on something that was in our hearts, and so we ended up breaking up. But I don't expect everyone to break up. You see what I'm saying? He, he might, might want to do that in marriage. He might want to do that if you're single. It's, it's irrelevant, the environment, but what he's looking to bring us all into is a posture of heart where we love God with our whole heart, soul, mind and strength. And so he'll use, for some people he'll use marriage, for other people he'll use children, for other people he'll use a workplace, he'll use your parents, he'll use whatever, you know. And so it's, the the real question is not the environment, the real question is are we prepared to submit to his process and his ways of coming to love them with our whole heart, soul, mind and strength, you know. So...
6: Am I allowed to ask a question about this morning's service as well? Or is it just targeted to now? Because I've been, yeah, praise the Lord for this morning's one. There was some rapturing faith in that, eh? It was, it was good. What I, what I want to ask is, this morning you said that um, the bride come back for the tribulation, right? The bride comes back with Christ for the tribulation. So I just wanted to know where you guys are, because I'm quite new to The Rock, what uh, your interpretation of Scripture is around the rapture. Um, because you were preaching some really cool stuff this morning That not many people talk about So I wanted to know the scratching Because, you know, that's the end goal We all know the end of the story If we've read that And yes, praise the Lord, we win But what is your point of view on that? Like, what do you see as
0: that? Because, yeah, it's, that's something that's quite important to me Yeah, what I'll do is So, so we, when you... The, the tricky with some of these questions Is that I'll give you my perspective Okay Right. So just my perspective. I'm not saying it's Sam's. Yeah. Yeah. So this is just my perspective, my personal perspective, is that we're going to go through I'm a mid trip. So I believe we're going through part of the tribulation and then we will be taken from the wrath. So he's going to spare us from the wrath of God. But we're going to go if we're still here, we're going to go through part of it. So I'm a mid trip guy. And part of that is the formation of Christ in me, if we're still here. So that's my perspective, my personal opinion from Scripture.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm very similar in the sense that, like, to me, what I see in terms of the purpose of the tribulation is for the maturing of the bride. And so what's the point of getting sucked on out of here without actually going through the very thing that God Needs us to go to for our own maturity, you know, um, and so when it, and it talks in Matthew twenty four about um, the, the people of God being kept from the hour of testing. That word "kept" means actually spiritually guarded and watched over. So while from my perspective we we need to go through that, but um, there's a there's a grace given at that time that where we are spiritually guarded and watched over uh, in the sense that. Um, it's not intended to take us out it's intended to e- expose so that it brings us into the fullness of of life you know so i'm um, similar to Gregor, i think as the church we need to um to go through that so maybe this last part from that they say that the before that so so that So from my perspective, God is going to get his bride, you know, <laughs> like that's what all of history is, has been created for, um, for the, the son to have an appropriate wife that he's going to spend the thousand year reign and the rest of eternity with. So I'm not sure in terms of if it's a number thing, but ultimately I think it's it's the, the church has been made ready. And when the church... As a body, we are we are ready. Then I think that's when the time has come, you know. But well, we can totally continue to dialogue about some of these things, you know, like at, at a later time, you know. Um, cool, yeah. Um, and look, th- this is like, there'll be heaps of opportunities to unpack some of these things more. I think probably you've got to be preaching on them a little bit more. Eh? So um, we'll have to keep the dialogue going, eh? Sleep.
0: I think the cool thing about, that that's a great question, Alistair, because it it, it reinforces what we're talking about. Okay, so it actually reinforces the very point that, you know, how does the church get to a mid, a post, and a pre? How do you have three opinions? You know, because it's still a mystery that's unknown. And this is why you maybe don't speak of it and say, thus saith the Lord until he reveals it, because he ain't coming back three or four times. He doesn't even know when he's coming back. It's only his father that does. Okay? So it's locked in the father as well. So this is where we get ourselves in a bit of trouble because we're trying to figure it all out. And it's more about like what Sam's saying is the macro perspective. He's coming back for her. Okay. Um, we try and figure out times, dates. It's like why, not when, but why is he returning? And like I said this morning, we've taken Revelation And we've missed the point of it. We've made it about something it's not. And the thing it is, we're lost in. So that's the beauty of it. It's actually a mystery. But it can be known. But the point is not ultimately to figure it out. It's to walk in together and let him reveal. But at the same time, it says the Father's the only one who knows. So got to trust, eh? Don't.
4: Don't really want to speak about that, but um, want to address a question that was raised earlier on. However, you know, revelation is a revelation given by Father to Jesus Christ to share and to make known to His body. And yeah, I know in my own life I've read it in all sorts of different states of mind. (laughs) Uh, And very early in the piece from a, a place of fear where a lot of Christians come to when they're reading it, which is a bit odd when you think about the fact that the power of God, Christ himself, the spirit of wisdom resides within me, and God is perfect love which casts out all fear. So how can I read something of him which then rises fear in me? If if my spirit is tuned to him, it's not a place of fear. It's a place of love, so it comes back to the reason why. What what is it that he's sharing? Why would he do this? So suddenly, the pre, post, mid, doesn't even exist. Versions they become a little bit irrelevant in the sense that the focus is actually on a develop a heart surrendered to him, so that the mind is renewed for him, and those things start to be revealed by the Spirit to us, which is you know, it comes back to that question that you asked earlier on the first posture. I am so grateful that certain things are written down in Scripture for us to read. Ultimately, the heart posture is a place of humility before him. The teacher must be humble in order to be taught by the teacher. Then that grace gifting that rests upon them, this the whole point. It's not a physical gift. It's a spiritual gift. So that they then might, from a posture of humility, step into the gift that's graced upon them, and the words that will come out come from the Spirit, not from the person. So that it's a spiritual gift that's operating, so the Spirit can receive it. And maturity takes us through that process, and we, you know, Greg was was right in saying, you know, the disciples are all over the show and wanting to stone and burn people and all the rest of it. Christ's going, well, you know, which lesson plan was that? Come on, guys. And we weren't stoning anybody to death like Paul was. But we read on and we can see someone whom Christ spoke to three times and said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Charged him with feeding his lambs and feeding his sheep. And yet later on, we find that Peter himself has to be addressed by Paul publicly. To get him to realize what he was doing. Who's ever told you this? Peter was a false teacher. By going down the pathway that he was, he was. He wasn't standing up for Satan. And yet he was, by his actions, he was leading people astray and had to then demonstrate the work that was done on his own life. And I'm speaking from my own testimony he had to be humble enough to realize, oh my God. I need to be brought back into alignment. Hence the need for humility. Hence the need for discipleship. Hence the need to be walking together so that we don't find ourselves going astray and brought back into alignment.
5: Um, (coughs) Just back to the, the false teacher um i i understand that the false teacher um is the the thief that that obviously deceives people um but would you would you say that satan is the one deceiving the false teachers and he's the one in control of the ones I mean, cuz i kind of see it as that's like the master plan of all would be to to get False teachers to proclaim the kingdom of God wrong, wrongly.
1: Yeah, I think like like Satan's game is deception, you know, and demonic wisdom is when you like profess something but you don't live it, and so that's who Satan is 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 someone who like like Greg was saying that he he roars about like a lion. He is almost like the Wizard of Oz, you know, um, pretends like something. Um, but he's not You know And so ultimately Like Yeah it Ultimately that, that That's the nature of Of Satan Being outworked in, in a false teacher But really It's It's demonic Thinking Demonic attitudes That's what's really Coming through You know um, The
0: You know when um, you know when uh, Jesus said to Peter, "Get behind me, Satan." Do you think he's talking to Satan or Peter?
5: Probably the ways of Satan, which is the
0: demonic realm. Right, which is the unrenewed mind. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, so kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. We've all come out of the kingdom of darkness, which is the realm of Satan. Yeah. So it's the flesh realm. So, you can bring that wisdom with you into the Kingdom of God and speak and teach it, so in essence, it's come from the Kingdom of darkness, but you don't realize that as a born again Christian you're doing it, so it's not that Satan's playing on you, your unrenewed mind that needs to be reminded is still your unrenewed mind that needs to be renewed is still unrenewed, so it's not Satan going. Josh, it's Josh thinking he knows something that he doesn't yet know because he's speaking from an unrevealed place. So when he said, get behind me, Satan, he was talking about his mindset, which is still unrenewed. Okay. So at the same time in Acts 10, when he comes down, he brings him a vision, okay? and he brings him food. He's like, I've never eaten pigs in my life. Okay his mindset doesn't understand what he's seeing the enemy's not going doing that vision it's God so it's his unrenewed mindset and it's not till he goes on the journey that he understands the it was about the holy spirit for the gentiles it had nothing to do with food but because he's still operating from an unrenewed mind which is being renewed which is from the kingdom of darkness which is where he's from it operates so ultimately if you rewind it it's the knowledge of good and evil that you've partaken of. okay? It's come from that, not the tree of life. And you can still live from that place as a born-again, spirit-filled, empowered follower, because that's what Peter was. He was baptized in the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 2, he's preaching, and people are getting saved. And in Acts 10, he's like, I've never eaten that stuff in my life. I'm not eating that. And the Bible says God had to come to him three times in a vision, three times, and it wasn't until he actually trusted And went with those people that came, that on the journey he had his mind renewed. Oh, This is all about the Holy Spirit for the Gentiles. So it's fully possible for us to operate from the kingdom of darkness, wisdom, James 3. And it says it's from the earth, it's not from heaven. That's why we have to be humble and allow our minds to be renewed through the power of God, though. It's the only way it can happen. You can't renew your mind from just reading words. Okay? The Holy Spirit has to take those words and renew your mind through the power. That's why Paul said, I'm not a man now of persuasive words. I'm a man of power so your faith doesn't rest on words but on power because it's power that brings you into life. Now you speak. And that's why he says to his mate, he says, it's a guard for us. He actually puts this in place to guard us from straying into this territory. That's why he says, don't speak of anything that's not renewed, because how do you know it's me? So it becomes a, a marker, a guideline. Don't stray past the guideline. Paul said, I will only speak of things, I will not presume to speak of things not done through me. How do I know it's God? Now the man had umpteen knowledge that was revealed to him. Is that clear? Got another question?
5: I just, I suppose all I heard, uh, like what I heard from it um, was so you've got um, renewed mind, so kingdom of light. Then you've got the unrenewed mind, which is of the flesh and the kingdom of darkness. And then is there Satan's realm?
0: No, same thing.
5: So Satan's realm and the The kingdom of darkness, which is the flesh, is the same thing.
0: Yeah. So the wisdom comes from that realm, which is his.
5: And so would you say the renewed mind is what the false teachers are operating out of? Yes. So is that the kingdom of darkness? Yes. So is Satan in
0: control of that? No. You can be. No. Not necessarily. Okay. No. He can can say, preach this. Okay. But you can teach that yourself. You can think, like me. Okay. So I thought. I knew what Jesus meant when he said, I build my church. I thought that was all about reaching lost people first. God's first place priority was reaching lost people, I thought. Then he said to me, no it's not. Where did you get that thought from? "Uh, Well, that's what I thought. So he goes, no, that's not my thought. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. My first place priority is a bride. That's why the commandment is love me. Not go out there and reach me. Reach people. See? So that's that's my unrenewed mind. He loves me. He's, I've got the fire of God, the of God, but my mind is yet to be renewed. So be transformed through the renewing of your mind. So it's a wisdom that's come from that realm. It's in me, and I think I know better than God. There's a way that seems right to a man ends only in death.
5: Awesome. Thanks. Um. I-
7: this th- this is something that's really hit home with me about the, the false teaching, because we think it's, it is about people on a platform teaching, mostly. <laughs> but um, what he's opened up to me is that a lot of it comes out of our mouths in our effort to help people. And it comes out as what we have been taught as kids or from our parents. And the the thing I realised that a lot of these things are based on are actually patterns of the world. And, you know, in Romans 12 it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the patterns of the world. Well, he has to actually do that work on the inside. And some of those, you know, we think the patterns of the world, they're something outside of the church. But they've been taught They've been taught in, in I'll, I'll give you an example. So when when you get married, you don't do anything um it in in a community, you don't serve for a year or whatever. That's been taught in the modern Christian church. But it's it is not a revealed position of the life of Christ in us. It, it's certainly not what the the power of God was doing in the Acts church. You don't see any of that. So there's these patterns and what happens is that we make our everyday decisions from patterns of the world. So where where God really confronts us and is, is, is doing that work, certainly in me, is when I come to a decision, what are the things that are before me in my decision making, you know? Is it is it, um, it, it's on so many spheres. Am I making adjustments? Like I used to go through my life so much, uh, you know, that I would, uh, I would um, do a whole lot of things and then get really tired and worn out. And so I would stock take and th- I've got to make adjustments to my life and I've got to have time for me and I've got to have, like that is a pattern of the world. You know, and yet, as Christians, he's wanting us to live um, out of the abundance of Christ in us, which doesn't conform to any of that, it doesn't even consider any of that, it's life, and it it is boundaryless, it is not, um, it's not something where we stay in control, we lose control, and he comes in and shows us his ways that, that are abundance, you know, and it's nitty-gritty stuff, it's not just who and what people are saying at the front, it's us in our day-by-day lives, because whatever we're living is what we are going to be leaking to everyone else, and what we leak is what we're teaching, you know, so the renewed mind process, the surrender, um, is something that we do have the responsibility, and I love the fact, that you've picked that up, Linda, because each one of us have this responsibility to be in the process, walk with others, and see how um, incredible the possibility is, but also the responsibility is to be, to be walking with him his way.
0: Beautiful. I'll give you one more pattern of the world? God, your wife, your family, your ministry, the world that's a pattern of the world that's taught from the pulpit it's just God and when you're in God he shows you how to figure all that out that actually it all works but while you believe that okay, you're actually out of alignment <laughs> it's disastrous but that's a pattern that the church has taught for years and still does that's probably why we're not in life eh? We've got one more. Oh, lucky last.
7: It's kind of a, um, not just for here, but everywhere. My observation uh, growing up and in, in all the churches I've seen and around is that um, with the fivefold that we've dropped off the first two, and most churches have teachers, pastors, and evangelists represented quite happily. Everyone's really comfortable with those. But where have the apostles and prophets gone? So, and it makes me wonder whether actually... The teachers that we have seen have been operating under that, knowing the scriptures really well, but actually if they were operating in the way they were supposed to be, that it would be very apostolic and probably be frightening people off as well. So they'd be cast off the list too. So wh- why why have we seen this? I mean that's obviously a ploy of the enemy, but yeah, what's your observation?
0: I'll be real quick. Who Who is killed? What giftings are killed in the body of Christ? And who killed them? Why? Because they don't understand the mandate of the apostle and the prophet. Because with those giftings comes change and the ability to see from heaven to earth. And it turns earth upside down and then puts it back together again so it says this, the apostle says we need to be the most selfless people on the planet it's no longer about you in your life this lady over here is my sister in Christ and I may have a natural sister and she's not see the whole realm of these giftings, see from the divine They've been graced to see the divine and bring the divine to earth, so the church, which is the vessel of God, walks upright like the sun. Well, that's an upside-down reality to the world. So it's extremely offensive. The enemy knows if this church gets planted on the earth, then you're going to have a church that's selfless, sacrificial, set-apart, sent, and serve the Father's will. That's a church that's taking back ground. The kingdom of darkness is being trampled by the kingdom of light. Do you think he wants that happening? No. So he comes along and he tries to get in there and mess it up. And if we are not living from this posture that we're describing, we get taken out as well. So then you have the giftings fighting one another. They shouldn't. They're supposed to work together. But you put a teacher and a prophet in the room, if the teacher isn't operating from what we're talking about, they'll be at loggerheads because the teacher will He's trying to understand from his head. Okay? So it's, it is the most powerful blueprint God has given And there is a war for it, to put it in place. But the war actually is here. But our battle is not with one another. It's with the principalities of the demonic. But an unrenewed mindset that still thinks from the realm it's from struggles to understand the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. So spirit and flesh fight. They're in opposition. Yeah? And so what they are to do is they're to turn the church around, turn it upside down so we can actually demonstrate what we're actually supposed to be, which is Christ-like followers. You'll know them by the way they lay lay their lives down. Truth becomes self-evident. So it's part of his plan, but of course a church that doesn't know the ways of God will never enter into the life of God and that's why there's so much division in the body of Christ. And we've settled on this. That's good for you. You understand that. And that's good for me and I'll understand that. That's called PC Christianity. No, I'm a peacemaker and I want to make peace because I know in peace this true spiritly unity. But I also know if I walk towards you and start having these conversations, there's the risk of explosion. But because I love you and I'm from the Father, I have to walk towards you and stand with you and actually share with you in love, in the hope that you will be able to hear and then we walk together in true oneness and unity. And that, if that could happen in the formation of the whole body of Christ, what would it look like? So this morning I said, if it's not operating here, it's going to struggle to operate here. So my individual relationship with Christ is a reflection of the church. My relationship with Danielle is a complete reflection of the church. So we're called to walk this out from an apostolic prophetic. The apostles, one. The the prophets, two. The teachers, three. You can see the beautiful flow. Jesus was what? The apostle. He was all five, but Hebrews tells you he was the apostle. And then it flows down. But the people of God have always killed, I sent you apostles, I sent you prophets. Why? Because they are the key to knowledge. The key of knowing God because they've been graced with a knowledge that others haven't to lead others into the knowledge of God. It's real simple, but man, it's profoundly deep.
1: And I think that's why what God is doing amongst us as a body is so powerful, you know. Because I, when I look around, I don't like I don't have any examples to look to in terms of, like, where where are where are the, um, you know, the, the communities of people who are operating from this pattern and this design, you know. And so, what do we have to hang our hat on, you know? What what pattern do we have to copy apart from what it is that he's speaking, you know, and so I think that's you know, saying like I feel like what we're about is actually quite groundbreaking, you know, and the, from my perspective, one of the greatest oppositions at the moment in the church is not the fact that we haven't seen it, but the fact that there's a whole lot of them popping up that are actually counterfeits of what it is that he's truly doing, you know. And so we have people applauded as an as apostles who don't embody the characteristics that, that Greg's talking about—they're they're about building their empires and their ministries. We've got prophets who are racing around all over the world, giving all over the world, giving people words. But where are the people who are proclaiming building, building words to the people of God? And where's the where's the church who are actually coming into the fullness of maturity that's in Christ? You know, and so I don't have uh, like I don't know if anyone else has seen it, but I certainly. I am stu- i don't know where to look, you know, apart from, you know, that's why I think, like, this is such a, a unique and powerful work that God is doing, um, and so important for all of us, like, I feel like we are, like, this is not just Greg off on his own little buzz, you know, like, we're, we're all, we're all involved in this, you know. Like this is not about whose gift is who. This is about God's pattern and His design of how He builds the church. And I think even that's why it's so significant that we had like everyone like participating last week and the week before because that's what the that's what it's all about. It's about the body being equipped and built up um, into the fullness of Christ, you know. So I feel like we have such a unique opportunity here. Not just to witness, but to participate, um, in a in a work really that is beyond this earth. You know, um, like the outcome and the consequences of this are eternal. You know, um, for us, but I think also for the generations that are going to come after us. What about Levi? What about our kids who are able to be? Uh, like, what does it look like to have a family raised in this environment according to a divine pattern? We're going to of a body of people on the earth that reflects christ you know who and you know one of the other scriptures that i think about that i didn't get to is a, a people who are no longer tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine you know what like and yet this is what god is establishing here it's a it's a divine and an eternal work i think one that like it's it's big it's big stuff eh you know and it's an awesome opportunity for us to be a part of it so. Yeah. Cool. It will challenge you
0: nothing else. It requires all of you. You, know, you can't just go. Yeah, I'm in eighty five percent. It's all or nothing. That's why it's so. It's either a breath of life if you're ready or it's a stench if you're not doesn't mean you never will like the smell of it but if you're still trying to live it, it's not the place to be because it's going to be horrible but if you're dead are you ready to serve my father that's what he's saying not you, you don't have an agenda your agenda has been trumped by my agenda I'm here, like you said, to serve my Father's will. I don't have one. The only one I have is his. Who else wants to join me? Then come follow me. What an invitation, man. And it's all preparation for the eternal. So we're choosing right now, by saying yes, you're choosing your eternal destination. It's every day. Because you can say no in 10 years. You know what I mean every day. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I fought the good fight, Father. I finished the race and the future that awaits me. It's called a crown of righteousness. I can't wait to get it. The Apostle Paul. So Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that you are building us here through yourself. Lord I thank you for the grace gifts that you have implanted here in this church, your church, Lord. And as we learn and continue to learn through revelation, Lord, you and your ways, we will naturally surrender because your love and your kindness is better than life. Father, you are the food that puts everything into perspective and births life, God. So we... Again, surrender to you. We again repent. We again want to be found at your feet, learning, receiving, growing, that we may be the demonstration of wisdom upon the earth, the manifold wisdom of God that the heavenly realm are waiting for us to become. I thank you. It's a high calling. I thank you. It's an eternal calling. I thank you that it requires much of me. Because in the much, I receive the much, and I'm an overcomer. Nothing can touch me in you, Father. So I thank you that in all things, in all things through Christ, who has empowered me, I can do it in you, and everyone else can too. Amen. Amen, guys. Awesome.